0: You just show up in this, right? Um, okay. Today, I, I'm, it's funny, I, when I do the theme for the year and I kind of lay out our curriculum, what we're going to talk about, and I was like, why did I give myself this topic? So it, we're, we're going to talk about righteousness. And my husband this morning was like, well, are you talking? Are you speaking today? I'm like, well, I'm speaking. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, righteousness, like righteousness, Versus self-righteousness is like, ooh, that sounds a little deep, but uh, yeah, that'll be all right, you know, and it kind of like drifted off, like didn't want to get into it, and I was like, wow, wow, okay, this, this isn't going to be that deep, but honestly, once I started to really get into this, it made so much sense, but I thought the way I wanted to start it off was, um, do any of y'all ever follow like college athletics national signing day when, when the high school athletes will sign a letter of intent to go to a specific college? I'm really into that. One, because I absolutely love the fact that kids who aren't super brainy have an opportunity to excel through athletics. One, because I have my youngest wants to go to college on an athletic scholarship as of right now. If he can keep the train on the track, he can get there. Um, And I just, I love the opportunities. It opens up for kids who have no other way to get there. So I'm kind of watching like a highlight reel and this happens February 8th. So this was a couple weeks ago. And there's a young man named Jacob Copeland. And Jacob's dream, he's a wide receiver. He's a four-star recruit, which means he was like number 14 in the state of Florida to be recruited. You're either a five-star or four-star recruit. So four-star recruits mean everyone's kind of watching to see where Jacob's going to go. And what they usually do for the four-star and five-star recruits is they set up a table in their high school auditorium or gym. And the whole high school's there. And he goes and he sits down with his family. And in front of him, you can see there's Alabama, there's an Alabama cap, there's a Tennessee cap, and then there's a Florida Gator cap, okay? So Jacob sits down, and here comes his mama. Mama's going to sit down next to Jacob, and she clearly has on the Alabama sweatshirt and the Tennessee cap, okay? So Jacob is about to make his decision. This is, this is like one of the biggest decisions this young man is going to make for his life. Y'all, it's really a big deal. He picks up the Florida Gators cap. Mama literally gets up, grabs her purse, makes a huge scene on national television, and walks out. Walks out on Jacob. Walks away. Gets up. Walks away. And I, I am just like, oh, my God. I, I'm stunned. You know, and I rewind it. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, I, I missed something. I'm like, wow, wow, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. And, and, and what the other part of the story you didn't hear was when they were interviewing Jacob, and Jacob was like, this is a really emotional decision for me. I mean, this is 6'2", huge guy. He's like, I cried for days, but I felt God lead me to the Florida Gators. Even though Mama was not happy. And I thought about this. I thought, y'all, how do we know the way? And this is not a quick answer. It isn't because, well, the Bible says so, or my mama told me. How do we know the way? Like, think about that. How do we know the way when mama's pulling on me, my emotions are high, all the world's looking, or, or I'm just trying to please a friend, or please a spouse, or do the right thing, or this is going to mean money, this is going to mean no money? This is going to be a promotion, looks like a promotion, feels good, doesn't feel good. How do we know the way? And what God said to me is, you don't. I know the way. Y'all, we live in a spiritual world in natural form. We don't hear this very often. We think, no, we live in a natural world and the spiritual interacts with us. No, we live In a spiritual world in natural form, where every word out of our mouth is an investment into something, whether we realize it or not. And the spirit world is listening. And that's why God says, I am the way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 said, God sets eternity in the hearts of men, all men. And I love when if you were here back in January and Jack spoke and he spoke about eternity and said eternity is not a time or a place. It means Jesus can be anywhere, anytime, anyplace. God set that in all of us. All men, no matter what people think, believe, God set eternity. That is his gift of righteousness. See, we think righteousness means pious living, but righteousness means knowing the path of God. Because we don't understand the way. And if we look back on the ancient Hebrew culture, which I think it's always important to kind of go, when God first reveals himself, when he first uses the term God of righteousness, when he's talking about, with Abraham, the righteousness of God, going back and looking and taking it in the context of the ancient Hebrew, they were a nomadic culture, which meant they went from place to place, which meant they understood that as they set out in the wilderness, they, they, they set out on a certain path. They went from... Pasture to pasture on a path. They went from water well to water well on that same path. They went from campsite to campsite on a certain path. Because if you went off the path, if you departed from the path, it meant you were lost, that you would wander aimlessly, and you might even die. So when God shows up and says, I am the God of righteousness... When, when he's showing up and saying, I am the God of the right way, they paid attention because they knew what would happen is if you, didn't, if you didn't follow the right way. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we see that the law gets revealed to show people the way of God. But the beauty is for us, it's the heart that believes in Jesus Christ receives the righteousness of God. It is a gift, y'all. That's why the early Christians were known as followers of the way. Followers of the way. It's a gift, meaning we we can't make this happen. It's something that God deposits in us. But when our zeal, when our excitement, when our passion becomes based on knowledge and information, we're going to seek to try to make this happen on our own. And we're going to exhaust ourselves. But Christ, how many of you know Christ is the end of the law? So there is righteousness for every single one of us. He's the one that helps us access the righteousness that God put in us from the beginning of time. That's why in John uh, 14, 16, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. It's not like, hey, this is the easy way to live. Like, come, let's just all live together. No, he means I am the way through this spiritual world that you live in in natural form. This is uh, one of those things that, um, for me, I find it, it's really, it's a mind shift because in our modern mindset, in our, our Greek mindset, we, we have this understanding that we have the answer. I have to figure it out. It's all up to me. Uh, we, we teach our kids this in school, which is because we're trying to teach them how to learn intellectually. You know, you've you got to figure it out. Do it on your own. It's all reason. It's all logic. But this uh, independent mindset, it contradicts our internal dependence on God until we understand, wait a minute, there's a place for the intellect, but the place from which I live is that complete dependency on God. So what's supposed, what happens in our culture, what is supposed to empower us ends up disengaging us spiritually from the Lord because we want to live from here and not here. And we're going to, we're going to, we are going to, this is something we will have to work on our entire life that we're here on earth. This is not something like you just get it once and like, bam, bam. You're going to bump up against this all the time. We, un- we unknowingly shut down our internal needs of, of being dependent on him, which is the way God created us to be. Because we think we've got to go into reason and logic and we're going to solve everything right here. But what happens is that independence apart from God is rebellion. Living that way, living out of that independence apart from God is self-righteousness. Because you're saying, I know the way. Like, like I've got it. I, I know the way. I know how to make things happen. We see this a lot, and I, I'm, I'm going to speak out about this because I don't think the church maybe uh, talks about it a lot, but we see this in our culture in the New Age. Does anyone understand the difference between New Age and Christianity? The difference with New Age is that you are at the center, and God is not. New age teaches that you are the God within, that the answer is that you are the source of all things, that if you want peace, you, it's going to be in here. This is this, is this um, when Paul talks in, uh, to Timothy, he said, you know, we're going to be lovers of ourselves. We're going to be boastful. We're going to be lovers of pleasure. We're going, to, we're going to fall in love with a form of godliness but deny its power. The power is Jesus Christ. So the new age says, you know, there are many ways to the mountaintop. And Jesus is like, no, I am the way. The New Age wants you to go here to intellectualize it. To think you can can reach this certain consciousness. You can think your way to salvation. You don't really need the cross. The cross is maybe, they totally dethrone Jesus Christ. And they put you at the center. That's New Age thinking. And you even see this creeping into some Christian thought as well. Because what New Age is really good at is it's good at grabbing some scripture. Grabbing something over here. I even had a pastor one time tell me, she's like, Well, I have a friend who's a Catholic and a Buddhist. And I was like, No, 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 that doesn't work. Because we are naive to the fact that we're living in a spiritual world in natural form. My daughter went to New Orleans recently and I said, I said, Georgia, do not get your palm read, get your tarot cards read. I mean, I didn't want her to go to New Orleans anyway, but you know, when they're in college, like that's just, that things are going to happen. So I just have to plead the blood of Jesus over that. But no tarot cards, no palm reading, no psychic. She's like, mom, mom, I know. I was like, no, do you know why? And let me ask you all, do you know why we don't read horoscopes or any of that? Do you know why? Because what happens when you engage in that activity, when you go to a psychic or you get your tarot cards read or your fortune told or, or a Ouija board or a horoscope, you open the door to the spirit realm of darkness. And that's why Jesus says, I am the way. I remember one time praying for a woman who was battling a sickness and she's like, well, I just went to a psychic and, 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 and I said, now, wait a minute. Do you understand why Jesus says I'm the way? Because he's the light that's going to lead us through this spiritual world that we live in right now. This world that we live in right now. If we do the palm reading. And yes, do they know stuff? Yeah, because demons know things. They, they give them little information. And I'm not wanting to linger on this. I'm wanting to warn you. Because what I see happening in our culture is we're getting a watered down gospel. And it's powerless. And... and I may not be popular for saying this, but Jesus, but, it, but it's the truth. Jesus is our power. Jesus is our power. So what happens is if maybe you believe in Jesus, but you still read your horoscope, or you get your palm read, or you go to the tarot cards, it's like having the front door locked and the back door open. It doesn't work, y'all. And we don't need that. The Holy Spirit, he will lead us into all things. That's why God says, I am the God of righteousness. I am the way. The world is going to pull on you. I mean, I think about Jacob. What courage that young man had, knowing his mama, well, I don't know if he knew his mama was going to get up and leave or not, but the courage that he had to say, this is where I felt God lead me. It cost him. This, if this gospel isn't costing you, then you are, are, are fiddling with a powerless gospel. When I first came remember someone asked me a question. I was doing an interview with, um, with Sean, actually over the phone. And um, he was asking me, what happened in your marriage when you first got a hold of Jesus? Because, y'all, I did not live – I went to church all my life, but I didn't know Jesus. And, and, yeah, I mean, I just didn't have a relationship. I just showed up. I believed it, but I felt people in church were fake. And, um, and so when I had a supernatural encounter with Jesus – and um, he said, well, what happened to your, how was that received by your husband? And I was like, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, I came, I mean, because he could see, like, something's different about you. Something's different about you. And it cost me about two years in my marriage. It cost me about two years. In fact, this morning, it was funny. I had sent, we have a little, uh family group chat you know because we've got two kids in college one in high school so we have our little family group chat and I'd seen this thing that a friend of ours posted about like eight um eight guidelines of a toxic person and so I just sent it in our little uh group chat just FYI because we've got kids dating in college you know I just wanted to be aware and so my husband kind of sits down he's like I I," and he does talk like this by the way he's like I I read that um (laughs) I kind of felt like maybe some of those were, were me in there. Like they, like, uh, like they criticize others and like they're jealous and, and, and you know, do, do I do that to you something? And I said, you know, Carl, and this is the first time I ever said it. I said, the only time you're really rough on me when it is when it has to do with ministry. This ministry cost me every day. This ministry cost me, but it's worth it. So what I'm saying is if you're just reading the word and it's not costing you in some way or it's not costing you where you're, you're drawing a line and saying, you know, everyone's going to go see, uh, everyone's going to go to the 13th floor on Halloween and, you know, do crazy stuff. And you're like, I'm not doing that. You know, it's got to cost you, y'all. We have to draw a line somewhere. Otherwise, we just we just become the way of the world. You know, self-righteousness says I can take a little of this, I can mix it with a little of that, I can make it my way. Anything goes as long as it's promoting peace. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never, ever be able to think your way into righteousness. You will never, ever be able to think your way into salvation. These are gifts freely given because of Christ dying for you. A man's ways seem right to him. Proverbs 21, remember that a woman's way seemed right to her. I want to give you an example of how something seemed really right to me. This was last week. I was having air conditioning problems in my car. Simple situation, right? Take it to Firestone. It's an AC repair. They're like it's going to cost about $900. I said, "Wait a minute. I bought an extended warranty. Let me come get the car. Let me call my warranty." Sure enough, yes, the AC repairs are covered, so I take it to the dealership. So this is day two now without a car, and I am, I'm on foot, which was my choice. My kids are like, why don't you Uber? I'm like, I'm not going to pay $50, $80 an Uber. I've got a $100 deductible. I'm trying to teach you. We're going to save money. I, I can walk. I can, you know, there's things that are close by. So... Take him over to Alamo Chevrolet. The, the service guy could not have been nicer. He calls me mid-morning on Tuesday. He goes, you know, I, I'm just having trouble with your extended warranty, people. They're, they said they're going to have to review it for 24 to 48 hours, so I'm, I'm not even able to work on your car. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I go, well, just try him again. He's all calm again at lunch. I'll see. He goes, but He goes, yeah, I've never seen a warranty company be so silly about AC repairs. Calls him again sure enough, they're not going to, you know, they're going to review it for 24 to 48 hours. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm hot. All right. All right. I'm going to call them. I was like, I got this. I'm going to call them. I call them. I get, no kidding, kind of in an argument with the lady. Like I called Friday. I, this is an AC repair. This is so simple. Yes, but they have to review it. I said, then let me speak with your review department. I mean, I'm not going to go 24 to 48 hours. I means I'm not going to get my car back till Thursday at this point. And you're not going to pay for a rental car She's like, no, we can't pay till we approve the repairs. Which, you know, you pay, what, several thousand dollars for these extended warranties. So we start talking. If she doesn't hang up on me, okay? So, I mean, at this point, I'm like, oh, I, you're going down. Like, I am, I am about to throw down. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to get on Alma Heights Trade. I'm going to tell everybody how... Shitty! This extended warranty company. I am so angry, y'all. And all of a sudden, I just feel the Lord just put me in timeout. Never had God just, God just put you in timeout, where I literally felt my spirit sit down. And I can, and anger's like, come on, come on, we could, come on, come on, we got them. And I was like, I can't. Like God just put me in timeout. A man's way seemed right to him. It seemed so right to me to want to go I mean I was going to call them but I was going to give it to them in every way I could and the Lord just grabs me and puts me in timeout a man's way seemed right to him but God weighs the heart see had I opened the door to unleashing a fury of whatever I call justice and payback that seems really right to me I have no idea what I would have opened the door to in my life and let me tell you, I, was, I wasn't going to ask God to forgive me for yelling at Ben if I wanted to. Yeah, they deserve it. You know, I mean, you just get in that self-righteous place. I was feeling really self-righteous. i have given you this demonstration because I just want to show you how easily this stuff sort of sneaks into our life. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe I'll pray and you'll do a miracle. I was like, no, like you're just going to wait this one out, Ashley. Like you're just going to, and sure enough, I didn't get my car back until Thursday and I was like, okay. I won't know the full extent of that lesson, but I know there was a lesson in there other than I kept hearing Proverbs 21 a man's ways seem right to him. A woman's ways seem right to her, but God weighs our heart. I felt so grateful that God kept me in a place of safety versus letting me just have a temper tantrum and open the door to all kinds of stuff I would not have really probably understood. The other day I heard Eric Johnson, who's one of the pastors at Bethel, he made a quote that Mike Bickle had said. Mike Bickle leads the International House of Prayer, 24-hour worship praise. And um, Eric was paraphrasing him, and I'm going to paraphrase Eric. But what Eric said is that this generation, meaning us, our children, this generation will be known as the greatest generation because out of all the choices... Out of all the information, out of all the ways we can go, we still choose him. And when he said that, I was like, wow. You know, we get more information in one day than people got in their whole lifetime because of our little, our phones and our computers. But we will be known as the greatest generation because out of all the choices available to us, we still choose him. That's righteousness. That's righteousness. Surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength, Isaiah 45, 24. The key is that it is not something about me. It is all about him. We live in a day where humanism humanism is one of the uh, popular thought patterns. Humanism says, um, I live with me at the center, not Jesus Christ. We live in a day of rationalism, which wants me to live out of my mind and not out of my heart. So I end up trusting my own theology versus Jesus Christ. It's just how our culture operates. But God places his righteousness in our hearts, not in our minds. That's why Proverbs 4.23 is so important. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. There's this place, and I'm not advocating this place, but I do find interest in the research called the Heart Math Institute. I, I, I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But they did 20 years of research, and they actually found out that our hearts have a brain. Our hearts have a brain. And our, the hearts in our brain actually sends more signals to the hearts in our mind. Uh, the, I'm sorry. actually sends more signals to the brain in our mind then the brain in our mind sends to our heart. God knew something when he said, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from that. I love it when science proves the gospel. I love it when science proves the word of God to be true. That we have a brain in our hearts that is actually sending more signals to the brain in our mind than the brain in our mind is sending to our hearts. Guard your heart for everything you do will flow from it which means the key to releasing righteousness in our own lives is to have a listening heart, a seeking heart. Righteousness will go before him, before God and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Psalm 85:13. In other words, righteousness goes before God and the way he goes, he makes the path for us all the time. We think righteousness is pious behavior, but righteousness, it's not behavior modification. It's spiritual impartation. Righteousness is not behavior modification. It is a spiritual impartation. It is, it is righteousness is a state of being. It's not a goal. Like we don't set it up here on the counter and say, today I'm going to be righteous. You know, that's self-righteousness. We release the righteousness of God within us. The laws of the Old Testament, y'all, those were a roadmap to the treasure of Jesus Christ. They served a purpose, but, they, but they, that's, we don't have to strive for this. I always find it interesting because people will come to me and they'll say, well, will you pray because I want to know God's will for this specific situation. But they don't want to follow his way. And so what happens is When we um, live outside of the path, which we know we do, we know we depart from the path, that's not, that's not, um, it's not a question, is that going to happen? It's going to happen. We're going to depart from his path because, you know, our cars break down or our kids trigger us or our marriages, whatever it is, but God always makes a way back. But what I always ask is, do you understand God's way? You know, let's, let's look at the way you're living your life first before we go seeking his will because it's just going to create the static. You're not going to be able to understand God's will. It's the whole uh, principle of Romans 12.2. I'm going to read it out of the, the, the Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This Now, see, we stop here. We go, oh, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Got it. No, but here's the the other key to this. This will empower you to discern God's will. You want to know God's will? It's right there. Follow his way. Don't be conformed to this world. When we yield to the righteousness that's on the inside of us, what that does is it allows What's on the inside to manifest on the outside? We you hear um, a lot of talk about like revival. We want revival to come, and we think it's going to be like God pouring out and like coming down out of the heavens. Revival is when more of God is released in me and in you and in you and in you and in you. It's when the fire gets lit in each and every one of us, and we're releasing God. See, y'all, it's about a release. It isn't about me reaching up and having to pull things down. Eternity, heaven, righteousness, joy, mercy. It's all in here. It's It's all in here. You're not going to give it to me. You're not going to give it to me. He's giving it to me. I just got to open it up. I just got to release it. Revival or me. means we're going to release God. And each and every one of us, which means as I go to the store and I see Katie and and my light means her light. And then all of a sudden it's just like heartbeats everywhere going and beating. And we're lighting fires in other people because that's what God calls us to do. I see the righteousness in you. I see the righteousness in you. It's not about pious behavior. It's a spiritual impartation. God says embrace my righteousness. It's a gift freely given to all that believe and receive Jesus Christ. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said, and he, if y'all don't know who he is, he's a, uh, probably one of the most powerful healing evangelists that lived. Saw signs, wonders, raised people from the dead, all kinds of amazing, uh, amazing things. And he says, God will not allow those who trust in him to become failures in the straightened place. God will not allow those who trust in him to become failures in the straightened place meaning the pathway of God, meaning we're going to be on this mission, y'all, and we can't fail as long as we stay on the right path with, the, uh, with God, on his path. We're on a mission that we can't fail. We may not be popular, we may not be liked, but as long as we stay on the path of God, we are not going to fail. We're going to have success. We're going to have success. So in order to activate and understand our righteousness, I think there's three things we I want to kind of wind down with for a little bit. One is to realize we can't think our way into it. This will not involve your brain, your intellect. We can't think our way into this. Number two, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And You may be like, yeah, I mean, I've done that. I know that. That means allowing Jesus to be at the throne of our hearts in all we do. He is the way that we access the righteousness of God in us. See, the righteousness is put into all men. Ecclesiastes 3.11. God put attorney in the hearts of men, all men, all women. But Jesus Christ is the way. He's the way that we access the righteousness that's in us so that we know the way. So that when we are faced with choices of this or that, we can get settled and know the way. Because it's not about right living. It's about walking the pathway and living with God. We think it's all about right living. It's not. It's about living on the pathway with God, his way. I think the third thing that's really, really, really important that we don't do that great of a job, especially as women, is recognizing that we have needs in every single area of our lives. Even though we live in a culture that teaches independence, which is good. We want our kids to learn how to do things on our own. I mean, one of my son's favorite things to do is I'll be like, hey, you know, pick up all your trash. and He'll be carrying it. Be like, can you just open the trash can for me? I'm like, no. No, I can't. Because I have to do that every single day. You can open the trash can. And somehow he manages. Wow. I'm like, see, you did it. And you're, you're 15 and you're going to drive a car in about six months. You're learning how to open the trash can. You know, I mean, all these independent living things that we're doing, you know, um, it's just, wow. And so, but we have needs in every single area. Y'all, this, this is, is fascinating to me. Pride blinds us to our, our, our true condition. Pride doesn't just fog up the lenses Pride is blinding. And honestly, pride is a whole other subject that we could, we could talk on one day. But I'm, I'm leading it to this. Pride makes us think that we have some measure of strength in ourselves. And pride wants us to think that the longer we're Christians, the stronger we better become. That's pride. But the truth is, we never become stronger in ourselves. Never. Never. In fact, the longer you become a Christian, the more you begin to realize your weaknesses, your propensity towards sin. And the more you realize how absolutely 100% you are dependent on Jesus Christ. Amen. That's knowing your need. That's knowing your need. Pride wants to blind you. Be like, man, you've been a Christian. You, You should be strong. You should be able to handle this. You don't need people to pray for you. That's pride. That's pride. Being a strong Christian means knowing I'm weak. It's, it's all done through him. I mean, there are days before I get up here I want to throw up. And you're like, oh, Ashley, that's so easy for you. It is not easy. You labor for a message. Trust me. And then sometimes you get to live the message. You know, you labor to get up here. To be strong in the Lord, we must know our own weakness so that we can come face to face with it because that's where he is. And then we just live more and more dependent upon Him. Two Corinthians five twenty one says, "For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him." The key word is here is we might. We might. Meaning you have it, it's just whether or not you understand it's a gift. And how many of you know you can refuse a gift? We might become. Because we have to access this through Jesus. So the way to receive it, we talked about a listening heart, a seeking heart. Accepting Jesus Christ. Understanding our need. But most importantly, the way that we posture ourselves is in rest. That's the way that we grow our listening hearts. Our seeking hearts is rest. And by rest, I don't mean taking a nap, although I love to take naps. And I do feel like God downloads good stuff in a nap. But what I mean by rest, I really believe resting in the Lord is the fertilizer for righteousness and growing that in our life. And I want to just highlight really quickly what godly rest meant. On Genesis 2.1, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating all that he had done. God rested not because he was exhausted. He rested not because creation was irritating him and the birds were flying all around, the winds were slapping him in the face. He wasn't resting because of that. He rested because he marveled at creation. He enjoyed creation. He rested because he wanted to commune and walk about. And what God is saying, resting in him means enjoying him. If you go through Exodus and you read how how detailed God is with Moses about the tabernacle, the instructions, and all of this, and at the very end, Exodus 31, it talks about the Sabbath rest. Because he's saying, I don't want you to get so lost in the work that you lose sight of me. And that means enjoying me. See, I feel like the way that we really release that righteousness Is resting in Him. The more that we learn to rest in the Lord, the more that we learn to enjoy the Lord, the more His righteousness begins to bubble up and surface in us. So that when we're faced with certain situations, when we're faced with go this way, that way, we automatically have a heart that can tune in and say, God, which way? And we have access to that. So, how do we do that? I think some of the ways I know purposely that I do it is I go outside a lot, I love being outside. And that's just one of the ways that I rest and enjoy the Lord as I sit outside. Right now we have a puppy, so I'm outside a lot. And even like last night around 8 o'clock, I put my worship music on. She's sort of playing around the yard. And I'm just enjoying the Lord, looking up at the heavens. I'm just enjoying him. I don't have an agenda. You know, resting means you don't have an agenda. Maybe some of you like to paint. Maybe some of you like to sew. Maybe some of you like to journal. Or maybe you like to cook. Put on your worship music. Just invite him into what you're doing that you enjoy and enjoy it together. That's rest. It's not something that that you're having to work at. I really want us to leave today with an understanding that we, we cannot walk the way of righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. I really want us to leave here today knowing that if someone said, you know... They came up with some new philosophy or some intellectual way of thought that sounded fun and appealing and and really trendy and posh that you would be able to say, wait, is Jesus Christ at the center of that or not? Because if he isn't, I don't want anything to do with that and walk away. I mean, walk away if not run. I always draw my line. Is Jesus Christ at the center? Is that something? Is it talking about me having to work something up? You know, we get all lost in the meditation, Eastern meditation. It's all about quieting, emptying your mind. That's not what Hebrew meditation ever was. Meditation was taking the word of God and, and saying it over and over. Be still and know I'm God. Be still and meditating on that and recording the way that God was, was talking to you. God never wants us to empty ourselves. Because how many of you know that if I left here, something's going to fill the space. And it may not be of the Lord. That was, that's, that was never God's intention. He is our power. He is our righteousness. He is our source. He is our strength. So what I want to do to, for sort of our activation is, a lot of you may know this. When, we, when you come here for inner healing, we do what we call a locator question. And I think it's really important because what it shows you is how you answer from your mind versus how you answer from your spirit. So if I teach you this question, then what can happen is you can start to practice on yourself when you leave here and say, wait a minute, am I answering this in my mind or, or my heart? So this is how it's going to go. I'm going to ask you some really simple, silly questions, and you're all going to know the answer. But I want you to, uh, to answer them in your mind, or I, I might ask you, you know, what's – and then I'm going to show you how we switch to answering out of our spirit, okay? Y'all, are you all game? You all trying <coughs> to Okay. What's your favorite restaurant? Laura, what's your favorite restaurant? <laughs> okay. Katie, what's your favorite restaurant? Yeah. It? Right. Tracy, favorite okay. restaurant? Okay. What's your favorite color? Debbie, what's your favorite color? Green? Green. Okay. Deborah? Gray. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you a child of God? Yes. Yes. Will he ever leave you or forsake you? No. Did you have to think about, are you a child of God? No. Did you feel the answer? Where did you feel the answer? Rising up. But did you have to think about your favorite color? Did you have to think about your favorite restaurant? Do you have to think about 1500 times 33? Anybody know that? I don't. Know. <laughs> are you a child of God? Yeah. Romans 8:16. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that yes indeed we are children of God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Y'all, sometimes when I feel triggered, I go, my child of God, and I let it rise up because you feel it coming up from within. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's how you release the living water that's in you is going back to, am I a child of God? Okay, where am I answering this from? Am I answering this from up here? Wait, I need to go here. That's called the locator question. It's a very, very helpful exercise that we can do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over us to close this out for today. And um, if anyone needs prayer, if anyone needs, has never accepted Jesus Christ, please let me come pray with you. I feel like that's the biggest gift I could ever give you in the world, really and truly. And if maybe you were a child and you've always been in church but you've never actively accepted him, let's do that. Let's do it together because there's power as an adult to say yes to his yes. Remember that every word out of our mouth is investing into something, whether we realize it or not. So I'm going to pray over you. Lord, I just thank you for today. Lord, I just thank you for expanding our understanding and our revelation of your righteousness. Father God, I just ask right now that every report card we've ever kept on ourselves, that you erase it. Every bad review we've ever written about ourselves, you would erase it right now. Every derogatory comment we've ever made about ourselves when we looked into the mirror, that you would erase it right now, Lord. Lord, I just bind up self criticism, the way that we've been hard on ourselves or harsh on ourselves because we thought that's what the world demanded of us. I ask that you would just erase those words right now, Father God. That, Holy Spirit, you would be painting a new picture in our heart. I thank you for that beautiful brain in our heart that truly does guide us and lead us. Lord, in all the ways that we've damaged ourselves because we thought that's what we were supposed to do, Lord, I ask you to come in and redeem those places right now all the ways that we think we've disappointed ourselves, Lord, I ask that you would come in and let us dream again with you. Make it safe for us to dream again with you, Lord. Lord, all the ways that we've tried to make ourselves holy or or we've tried to live a pious life or we've tried to do the right Bible study or we've tried to memorize the right scripture, Lord, I just ask that you would break off the striving right now. I ask that, that the fire would begin to just burn in our heart that warm, kindling fire, just like when they were on the road to Emmaus, and they said, did our hearts not burn within us, Lord, as you spoke? Lord, that that this is the greatest generation. This is the greatest generation, Lord, that out of everything that goes before them, they choose you again and again. I thank you, Jesus, that you are all access to us. And within us, in the deepest parts of us, is your beautiful righteousness, is your right way that we will know that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all things. So Lord, as this week unfolds, I ask for supernatural strength, supernatural discernment. I ask for a holy boldness to rise up where they begin to say Jesus are you at the center of this or not because if you're not I don't want anything to do with it whatever that costs me I thank you for the treasure of Jesus Christ I thank you for the joy that we all have inside of us simply because we believe and receive him as our Lord and as our Savior and I thank you Lord that you look at us and you say we're all Works in progress, Father. We don't need to grade ourselves. We don't need to give ourselves a review. At the end of the day, we just get to give ourselves a hug because you are delighting in all that we do. I thank you that right now, even as we're receiving prayer, you're rewiring our brains. Our brains are being rewired to receive the righteousness of God. That you are the way. Jesus, you are the way. You are the life. You are the truth. You are all we need I bless each and every one of these women in Jesus mighty name Amen